want to pray a prayer out of the book of Colossians. So if you go with me to Colossians, the fourth chapter, I want to pray this for our meeting tonight. And you guys online, I pray that you get some good insights as we study the word and uh, you enjoy yourself at, at home. Somebody told me that at the beginning of COVID, they were sitting on the couch barefoot having chicken wings while we were having church and made me kind of jealous. Colossians chapter four, verse two says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So our prayer life shouldn't be moaning and, you know, begrudging the problems of the day. We should be uh, thankful. It should have a thankful tone to it. Um, so, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up at the end of this month, the last Thursday of this month, but we should be thankful every day for all the good things God's done for us. Praying at the same time for us as well. This is Paul asking for prayer from the Colossians that God will open up to us a door for the word that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I also, I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And uh, so God, I pray you would make it clear in the way I ought to speak tonight. I pray that you would be with my mouth and I would speak your word and that you, and you would be exalted and people would get so much out of it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you. I'm on a series on miracles and, uh, uh, for, for Friday night, and I've got an interesting approach on miracles, the miraculous, the supernatural. Uh, tonight, it, it, if you're writing notes, it's the miracle of not being a victim. The miracle of not being a victim. And I want to talk to you about the contrast, and I'm going to do a play on words between being a victim and being a victor. And I want to just tell you, as a pastor, I'm sensitive to people's uh, life experiences and episodes, so I don't trivialize anybody's issues. And I want to tell you, I want to make a, a, a distinction that you can, you know, there is genuine trauma and, and, and people have had victimization uh, that, you know, you have to overcome. But there's also, in addition to those episodes, a general attitude and condition in society that tends toward a victim mentality. And this is what I want to really, I want to talk about the miracle of not having to be uh, constantly burdened by that. Uh, the victim mentality, by definition, refers to a state of mind in which a person feels helpless and as though the world is against them. And I feel like a victor realizes that God is their help. And even if the world is against them, if God's for us, who cares who's against us? Okay? So I also want to teach, I'm not teaching about denial. I'm not ignoring issues. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I've got empathy in my heart. I, what, it, what it is, though, is we have got to not be overcome by evil, but we've got to overcome evil with good. Now, the definition, the, the noun word for victim in my dictionary said that a victim is an unfortunate person who suffers from some adverse circumstances. An unfortunate person who suffers from some adverse circumstances, like a victim of a crime, that's unfortunate. The other day, Kingston sent me a video of a, of a condominium across the, from where they live at their apartment that went up in flames. 
and three of their pets died. And, you know, thankfully no humans died, but it was a bad, it was an unfortunate thing. Um, an unfortunate person who suffers from adverse circumstances. But this can't really be applied to Jesus because we know him not to be unfortunate. We know him to be intentional. And Jesus intentionally suffered and died and put himself in harm's way so that we could be delivered. And part of the reason why I want to teach on this is so our, our minds can get renewed. We can press past some of the hurts and the trauma. But more importantly, we could press past this pervasive victim mentality that's trying to blanket on our society and even tries to come on Christians. So, okay, I just feel like the Lord's going to really help us out because he's a very present help in trouble. You know, Jesus, who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness of God means we're right with God. Jesus took what was wrong with us. He took our debt out of our account and he deposited his blessing, his forgiveness, his abundance, his grace, and all the blessing of God and of heaven into our account. Ephesians 1.3 says that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. There's nothing unfortunate about that. In fact, you ought to get your, uh, your computer or your, your iPad or your phone, and you ought to punch in how blessed is the man. And look up all the verses in the Bible that talk about how blessed is the man. There are several of them. And how blessed, fortunate, and to be envied is, envied is the man, woman, or child who trusts in the Lord. And we've heard over and over and over again tonight, Psalm 107, 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's been in our songs. It was in what Addison shared in the offering. It, it, it's something the Lord is trying to say to us. And, and a victim mentality person is going to be bemoaning and complaining a lot. But a victor is going to be re, uh, talking about what Jesus has provided in redemption. I have a Savior who came and rescued me from the pit. Rescued me from all my self-inflicted misery, all my sin. He took my sin upon him that he never committed. He was pure and holy and sinless. And yet my Jesus took that. It, it, he took the, the toxicity and the, and the consequence of my sin. And he suffered and died. Not as an unfortunate person, but as an obedient person who suffered and took that adverse circumstance, the result of the fall of humanity, so that we could have victory. We can be more than conquerors. We could be redeemed. Now, let's go to Isaiah 54, 14. Isaiah 54, 14. And I'm going to borrow some of my emphasis on Sunday mornings, which I've been teaching on the doctrines of the faith, and I've been on righteousness quite a, for quite a while. And it, 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 this is such an important verse. In righteousness, you and I, we will be established this is a real defining moment of stabilizing. It's never been a better time to get to be a Christian than 2021, where we get to actually live out our faith. We get to face off with things that 
haven't hit society, at least in North America, for a while. They've hit different pockets. Totalitarian regimes and, and, and anti-God sentiment have tried to alight upon society since the fall of man. But we have an opportunity right now to, to get, get some real, uh, get charged. And uh, uh, the, the, the reason I'm teaching this, and I want you to t- pay attention to this verse, is because Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, um, since we have so great uh, a set of examples historically of people who lived in faith, such a cloud of witnesses that surround us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, every weight, every encumbrance, and the sin that so easily besets or entangles us. And what are we to do? We're to run with endurance the race that's set before us. And I think a victim mentality is absolutely dead weight for a man or woman going forward in life. You, you, you've got, when we have so much baggage, uh, we've got to use our energy to haul that baggage. And Jesus actually wants to set us free. Um, and I have biblical evidence for that. But this is one of the points, Isaiah 54, 14. And it says, in righteousness, you will be established. You will be far from oppression. And you, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. Now, there's a New Testament. This, this Old Testament truth is bumped up in the New Testament many times. Fear not, fear not. I am with you, and so forth. Uh, there, there's a, the, one of the most famous verses is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, that doesn't sound like victimization. That sounds like victory. Instead of a spirit of fear, nervousness, anxiety, worry, dread, he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Well, well why has he, how has he done that? 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, By his doing are we in Christ Jesus. Like, God got me into this. I, I, I was unlikely to become a Christian. I was lost. I wasn't being raised in uh, the faith. I'm not like, uh, you know, the third generation of Christian. It was not a big focus in our household. Um, So how did I get here? By his doing. No one comes to him unless he draws him. How did we get here? The grace of God. Somebody invited me to church. A girl named Jill Cosby invited me to church. A Vietnam veteran on another occasion gave me a ride home from my restaurant job while I was hitchhiking. Told me how Jesus changed his life how he overcame heroin addiction and how God did such a great work in his life. And that testimony uh, resonated with me. Then that guy got dishonorably discharged from the military, came back to a thankless nation. You know, it was, it, still today, people are conflicted about the way all that was handled. And he was conflicted. And yet there was a peace and a settledness in this guy because he had been made right with God. And that's what righteousness is. Let's look at Isaiah 54, 14 again. Let's look at Isaiah. Because we're going to live in the miracle of, of, uh, of not being a victim. Where this, this is going to be a shift for some of you. In righteousness, you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. And from terror, for it will not come near you. Well, now... In ancient Israel, there, there was a level of righteousness in, con, with the law, with follow through on the law. But now in, in the New Testament, righteousness is a gift. 
It's an, imparta it's an imparted thing that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And then you can continue to walk in that righteousness. You can't get, in listen, you can't get any more righteous through the course of your life, through any kind of processing. It is an, it's a gift that Jesus imparts once and for all. And you can get more mature. You can get more knowledgeable. You can develop. You can crucify your flesh. You could carry out in, 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 a, in, in more maturity. You could grow in grace. You could grow in compassion. But as far as you can't get any more righteous, you can't get, you can't get any more saved. Look, I got saved from the ocean in New Zealand. And when they pulled me out of the water, I couldn't get any more saved than I was when I got pulled out of the water. I, I sat in the boat and I was like, I'm, I got rescued and I'm back on the boat. I was lost at sea, pulled out where nobody could see me, out in the uninhabited area 80 miles off the north tip of New Zealand. And God activated the people. They aimed the boat right out, straight out in the middle of the open sea, went for a mile and a half straight out like a needle in a haystack. They pulled me out of the water. I, when I got in the boat, I thought, oh, God, I pray I, I need to be saved. Well, I was already saved, right? I couldn't get any more saved than that, right? But we can get our minds renewed, and we can overcome, and we can affirm what redemption has done for us and get back on track. You know, I was listening to a pastor and a good minister preaching, uh, and he talked about how we need to have a concept about sin. We need to have a hatred for sin. We need to understand um, uh, that sin separates us from God. We're not to have a sin consciousness. We're not to be light about sin, but we're also not to yield to condemnation. The Holy Spirit never condemns us. He convicts us. Condemnation comes from the devil. He comes to bring a, a worldly sorrow that produces death and, and a, such a grief and such a shame. And... Uh, we, when we go to God and, and repent, and we usually say, oh, God, please forgive me. The forgiveness has been established 2,000 years ago on Calvary. What, what needs to take place is we repent and we lay it on the altar that Jesus shed his blood on. And there we are getting it, getting it out, being honest, being open with God. God wants uh, truth in the inner man. John said, in John, I think, John 2 or John 3, he has, no, my children, I have no greater joy than, you walk in the, than when you walk in the truth. Right. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And where is it where uh, he spoke to the believing Jews that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free? Yeah. So there's some freedom happening right now. And we are no longer victims. In fact... 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 uh, is, is a, an outstanding promise. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He always leads us. Did you see that? Thanks be to God who sometimes will give you a breakthrough. Once in a while, when you're a good Christian, he'll come and visit you and he'll pat you on the head. No, it's his propensity. It's his inclination. It's his hardwiring. It's his nature. It's his predictable behavioral stance that he always leads us in triumph in Christ. 
and wants to manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Where we, our message is, and this was the message of Jill Cosby when she invited me to church. This was the message of the Vietnam veteran when he told me how Jesus changed his life. This is the message of the crew of people that I encountered when I went to church for several weeks trying to process what was happening. And I was coming out of the culture of the anti-establishment thinking of my youth culture that I was in. And I was looking at the, the outcomes of the drug, sex, and rock and roll and the whole 27-year-old club where uh, Hendrix died and Jim Morrison died in Paris at 27. And, you know, it just, it just went on and on and on. And uh, Janis Joplin, yeah. And then, you know, we, we still see it happening with Kurt Cobain and, and Amy Winehouse. It's some crazy demonic attack on people that are... 20, some sort of strange thing about 27. I, Nino liked that. You know, I, I like to see people live out their days. Yes. With long life, I'll satisfy you, he says, and I'll show you my salvation. Yes. So I had this encounter with people, and I saw the contrast. What do you want? This, like, meteoric burn-up, fizzle-out death thing? Or, or this potential for new life? And then I saw another category. I saw sort of glazed-over cultic things, and I sure didn't want that. I didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid. I didn't want something crazy. None of us do. We want something that's real, something that's authentic, yes. something that's substantial. Yes. So the miracle of not being a victim is that we understand Jesus in his mission and the why behind why he came. And what it is, is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So uh, an advocate came on legal groundwork to come and, and reestablish a connection between a holy God and a fallen people that was completely breached and broken and a barrier occurred called sin. And Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made right with him. And that being made right is by the acknowledgement of him, by confessing Jesus as Lord, by receiving him as Savior by humbling yourself in repentance, and by the knowledge of him. And, and this, is, this is what the redeemed of the Lord need to, to understand. My redeemer lives, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah. We need to develop, cultivate, and maintain a victory mentality. Yes. We need to develop, cultivate, and maintain a victory mentality. Now listen to what my friend Dick Mills wrote about this verse, in righteousness you shall be established. You'll be far from oppression and, and, and fear and terror will not come near you. He said, far from fear and oppression. What a wonderful and reassuring word. This promise guarantees us peace of mind. Everybody say peace of mind. No mental hassle, no mental fatigue, no mental oppression or depression. But we must appropriate that peace to ourselves. We, we receive God's promise by faith. And how does faith come? By hearing the word. In fact, it was this information over a steady process, listening and being exposed to the truth, that set me free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Active within the Christian is a real battle of the mind. Thoughts can originate from the Holy Spirit they can originate from an evil spirit or they can originate from a human spirit. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that of the discerning of spirits. 
This discernment is the ability to isolate each thought to determine its origin or source and the proper response to it. In fact, he doesn't say this, but the, a spiritual man appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. So we have a discernment ability to differentiate between God, the flesh, and the devil and distinguish where is this stuff coming from. And um, the, the, the Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus. Evil spirit always discredits Jesus. The human spirit attempts to exalt man and his cleverness, knowledge, ability, and achievements. So Mills goes on to say, this verse tells us that our thoughts do not have to annoy us Stabilized by the righteousness of God, we need not be plagued by oppressive mental impulses. No longer must we be victimized, there it is, or dominated by fearful, terrifying, or traumatic suggestions. Let me read that again. No longer must we be victimized or dominated by fearful, terrifying, or traumatic suggestions, memories, or imaginings. Now that we are in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. We have access to his throne. We can literally dismiss from our thinking any oppressive or depressive thoughts, replacing them with positive affirmations and images from his word. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, though we live in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 really quick. Because we don't need to be victims. We're no longer slaves to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind to crowd out that anxiety, worry, dread, shame, guilt, condemnation. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That's a little unclear. What it means, another translation says, though we live an earthly life, we do not wage an earthly war. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, if they're not human in their, in their uh, center but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That means we've got the advantage. We have supernatural uh, strength. We have the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the authority vested in us. We have the power of praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. We have the concept that he, his ears are inclined to the prayer of the upright. We have the power of binding and loosing. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Amazing, isn't it? And then it says in the next verse, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive. We are taking every thought captive. We tonight are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Man, I, I, just the idea of casting down vain imaginations, like it says in the, new, in the King James Version. Casting down imaginations. I heard somebody say, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. Another one said, a thought left unsaid will die unborn. That's why it's so important that the redeemed of the Lord say so. And his point here, I think, is very sound. He said... Uh, that we can get our hearts and our minds renewed where we're no longer victimized or dominated by fearful, terrifying, or traumatic suggestions, memories, or imaginings. Now that we are in Christ, we have his mind. We can literally dismiss from our thinking any oppressive or depressive thoughts, replacing them with positive affirmations or images 
if that's too new agey for you, replace them with God's word, God's promises, God's uh, statements of what his intent is. Again, just the idea of 2 Corinthians 2.14, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Romans 8.37, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Man, I love that. Man, I love that. And, and you know, this is a maturity message, and this is where we assume responsibility for our thought life. And this is where what I'm preaching has responsibility with it, where, you know, when it says we can cast down imaginations, we go, yeah, amen, we can. Well, we must. We need to, in fact, Paul defines it in Philippians chapter 4, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, eight things, praiseworthy and so forth, pure, right, honorable, lovely, good repute. If there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. This is a, a, what David said in Psalm, my meditation of him will be sweet. I talked to a doctor today and they said, I prescribe that people don't watch too much news because the way it's presented, it's like toxicity times 10. It's exponential. Um, it, it'll produce anxiety. So there's something about that. Now, it doesn't advocate that we are civically irresponsible or negligent or ignoring and we're naive and we, God wants us to be uh, alert but not nervous. Heads up and alert for the purposes of prayer. Be, be sober-minded for the purposes of prayer. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him. This is fuel for that kind of resistance where he gives you that strength. Hey, I'm not a victim anymore because somebody allowed himself to be victimized by my sin so that I could experience his breakthrough, his joy, his freedom. And that's why in all these things, we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors. We face the, the day with, you know, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't plan for this, but God, nothing takes him by surprise. And this didn't come from God. This was somebody that made a bad choice or this is some circumstance of life or some crazy trend of society. Nevertheless, we know, Romans 8, 28, in that context of prayer, the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We know not how to pray as we ought. He helps us. We pray. And then that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I'd say even the Vietnam vet who had such an impact on my life. Terrible. You know, he was in the draft. He, he went to war. He was in combat. He, he got caught up in the, the drug of choice was available. It was a mind-numbing, pain-killing, opiate, heroin, and he, he got caught and they dishonorably discharged him. So he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to fight. He got caught up in drugs. He came back like quadruple bad situation. He started cheating on his wife and his wife left him. He tried Eastern religions. He said nothing satisfied him, nothing fulfilled him. And then he told me Jesus changed his life. When he told me that, it went right over my head because I had no point of reference. I had not had any experience with Jesus. All I thought about was just churches on every corner, spires, and so much, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
I, I, it was vague to me. It was vague to me. But it was clarified to me when I saw wide awake, authentic, genuine people who had come out of terrible trauma, terrible victimization, terrible treatment, and had a sunny kind of a thing on them. And no, it wasn't like the glazed Jonestown look. It wasn't some sort of lemming kind of cultic kind of uniformity. It was, it was uh, what I then found out to be what Jesus came to bring. He said he came to bring life and bring it more abundantly. And so abundant life is the opposite of being constantly uh, a victim. When you know you're a victor and you know you're more than a conqueror, then you, you know that you overcome. And if you look at 1 John chapter 5, uh, John really articulated this well. He said, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. It starts with a belief system. It starts with the heart. When you believe on the Lord, you trust in him. That's the miracle of salvation. Whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. Then it says, but by this we know that we love Wait, did I say five too? Is that right? Yeah. When we love God and observe his commandments. Am I on the right track? Yes, I am. Keep going. For this, wait, hold on a minute. I got to look this up in my Bible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, these screens uh, have their place. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I stopped short. Okay. This is like when I said, Patsy, this is not the way to turn. No, and then I find out, yeah, it is the way to turn. Okay. <laughs> I just sort of quasi-repented and quasi-humbled myself in church just now. Okay, verse 3, that's all you're getting. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, verse 4, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God, look, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. It means a lot to God. It means a lot in the economy of things. It means a lot in our uh, overcoming uh, faith is confidence and reliance on God. It's, you have to appropriate this peace for ourselves. We've got to get a hold of this so that we're no longer uh, victimized or dominated by fear, terrified, a bunch of suggestions, memories, or imaginings. And the devil will try to do this. He's trying to help, he'll try to sneak up on you when you're tired, when you haven't spent time alone with God, you have, you know, your blood sugar's off, your hormones are off, somebody said a bunch of weird stuff to you, something went bad at work. And then you go into it and the enemy takes, he's an opportunist. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's where we take, you know, because we have divinely powerful weapons, we say, okay, wait a minute. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I have been given the armor of God, according to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And I'm armed and I'm empowered by this verse. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And look at the next verse. I love this verse in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is what I encountered when I became a Christian as a teenager. I encountered people because they believed in Jesus. They had an overcoming trend in their life experience. They weren't in denial. They weren't, you know, putting on some sort of religiosity. It was real for them. My heart got changed. Jesus changed the direction of my life. And this is the victory that we have. We know, we have confidence that he 
Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. There's a story that Ronald Reagan shared about the, there's a, there's a, there were two boys. Uh, I don't think he originated the story, but he was famous in his eloquence of the way he shared it. And um, there, there was uh, uh, a room full of, of horse manure, right? You remember the story? And these two brothers, um, how did this go? They got to go, the, the, the parent, they did an experiment and they let the, the, the kids uh, go into the room and climb up to the top and they, they closed the door and they were, well, that's, that's kind of a child abuse at this point. You can't do that now, but this was the 80s, so you could do this. But anyway, uh, so they came back later and they found um, one kid just with his arms crossed, pouting and holding his nose and he was really mad and hurt and felt like he had been deprived and been abused and was just really unhappy and sullen and sulking over in the corner. They said, where's your brother? I said, I don't know. And they saw the, this little, like uh, over in the other corner, this manure that was shooting up, uh, uh, just like little bits shooting up, shooting up. And so they, they went over there to get him and they saw him and he had been digging a hole in this manure and they said, what are you doing? And they, he, he was so enthusiastic. He said, I know in a room this big, there have to be toys in here on the floor. And I was trying to get to those toys. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. I messed that up so bad. With all this horse manure, there has to be a pony in here somewhere. And toys. So you can tell which boy I was. I was the one in the corner. I wasn't the one digging for the pony. And that might be why I'm preaching this. That might be why I'm preaching this because you know what? Our flesh wants us to be petty. Our flesh wants us to get into a pity party. Funny thing about a pity party is when we throw a pity party, nobody wants to come. And this is what was appealing to me when I saw wide awake, authentic believers who had been through some things and uh, weren't wearing their feelings on their sleeves and weren't using it as a victim, with, as in a victim mentality. This is what I feel about Viktor Frankl, uh, the Jewish uh, psychologist that got thrown into concentration camps in World War II, had all of his research thrown away by a Nazi soldier upon entry. Uh, that he had worked on for years and uh, his life's work and then he had to start all over again and his basic uh, premise was that you know I, and I would convert as a Christian I would say that God puts something on the inside of us that helps us to overcome he 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 is God our our redeemer is a is a victor he's the he's the lord of hosts he's our champion our God is not weak toward us. He's mighty in us. He saves and he heals and he delivers. His arm is not too short. He's not limited. He's not restrained. He's mighty. The only thing that limits him in our lives is our unbelief, our fear, and our hesitancy. Uh, whenever any wrong thought comes to your mind, you need to verbally speak a word of refusal to it. Say, I do not accept that thought Jesus does not think that way, and neither do I. If you will do that, you will soon be far from oppression. Say this with me. In righteousness, you will be established. 
You will be far from oppression. Fear and terror will not come near you. So in, de in development and cultivation and maintenance of a victory mentality, we're going to have to get untethered from our past. And I heard somebody say, you can't have ro rosy thoughts about the future if you have the, constantly carry the blues of the past. Now, my, and I'll finish with a, a quote my wife gave me from her year in college, her, her, her years in college. She took a psychology class that defined maturity uh, in three points. One, take responsibility for your own actions. That's a biggie. Take responsibility for your own actions. So don't blame shift. A, a, a victim mentality says, I'm this way because I got mistreated by these people. Uh, this, this, is, this has shaped me because of this. And it justifies that. And it, get, it keeps you stuck. And as Christians, we could say, you know what, man? In God, hallelujah, God is the redeemer. And he can redeem my life from the pit. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. So we take responsibility. We take responsibility for our own actions. Number two, we pay our own way in life. We pay our own way in life. We figure out how to do it, work, pay our own way in life. This came from a secular teacher, by the way, at college. You pay your own way in life. You don't expect a handout. My dad always said the world does not owe you a living. And number three, you maintain concern for others. I'm very, very concerned about the lack of empathy that's happened in the world. And the lack of empathy, because, uh, because lawlessness has increased, many people's love has grown cold. So we see that in society. We must not see that in the church. We're believing God. We're not going to have compassion fatigue. We're also not going to be just so out there that we allow ourselves to be victimized. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to watch out for our own well-being and our own health, right? You've got to advocate and, and, and take care of yourself every day, okay? So, uh, but yet, there's such a pervasive victim mentality in the world that we, in order for us to be effective, like the people that came to me at the beginning of my search, they gave me clarity that, hey, look, man, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the gift brings amazing uh, change positionally to the person that embraces him. That if anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new creation. This is new creation teaching I'm giving you. Where you then go, you know what? I've had a miracle of a new birth. And I've had righteousness imparted to me that I don't deserve. I couldn't earn. And it, it's not based on my performance. It's based on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the legal groundwork. It's as though we have the very best attorney who stood before the high court of heaven and, and obligated himself and stepped in as a substitute and said, I will take the failure of humanity and I will take it and bear it myself and all of its consequences. When he died on the cross, if you read the de depictions at the end of the Gospels, the sky turned dark, 
Uh, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, it, it was brutal. Not, all the sin of the world, all the guilt and grief and shame of the world, all the sicknesses and the varieties of sickness, because he bore our sins and he carried our diseases, all concentrated on Jesus all at once. But I think the worst thing for him was that he that had enjoyed constant, uninterrupted, pure fellowship with the Father. That's when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, this was what happened in order to pay the price by the way God set this system up. I accept it. I believe it. That he died for us so we could have our sin condition eradicated and we could be given his righteousness and be able to stand with God, have our citizenship in heaven, have our names recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, have the blessed assurance, have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and then have wisdom and vision like while I'm alive on this earth, he wants to have manifest his fragrance that we are living epistles to be known and read by all. Did I tell you about the Vietnam vet? Did I tell you about Jill Cosby? Did I tell you about Clyde Perry's mother who prayed for me? My adopted father had a mother who was a Christian who prayed for my brother and me, I guess, constantly until we experienced salvation. So that's why we have prayer meetings here, because I'm the product of prayer. That's why I like sharing the gospel with people, because I'm the product of personal evangelism. That's why I love church. I got my, the, the Bible and destiny and my wife and grazed my kids. I love church. When it's done right, it's brilliant. And, and based all on this whole thing that, you know what? He that the sun sets free is free indeed. And so we don't have a state of helplessness and pity. We're not in this, in this stuck position. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. Is there a song you guys have that would fit with this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's all stand up. I'm done. It's 8.56. I finished before 9. And uh, I want you to lift up both hands toward heaven. I want you to just, I want you to stand, stand up on your feet. And I, I just want you to just lift up your hands. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, do it now. At home, you guys, ask Jesus to come into your heart. If you've been walking with God for a while, rededicate your life to the Lord. And, and, and just kind of, just wave to Him. Say, here I am, Lord. Thank you for deliverance. I forgive everybody. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a victor. I don't live in victimization. I live in victory. He always leads me in triumph. Every step of the way, every circumstance and trial, God has answers corresponding to these problems. There's a pony in here somewhere. <laughs>